You're listening to the Sewing and Growing podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Okay. I'm tethered. Good day, everyone listening. This is this is morning time for us, as you can tell in my voice. It's a little low. It's a little slow. It's a little raspy. You sound like you're a disc jockey at an R&B station. <laughs> I like 2 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. That was Brother Funk. Now we are going to listen to an hour of post-melodic indie trap vocals. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but uh, I'm going to turn the disc for you. Okay, I don't know what I'm talking about. But yes, I, actually, we do know what we're talking about. We're, gonna, we're talking about sewing and growing. That's what this podcast is about. Um, today, though, we, we came in early and decided to knock a few out. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. John's got an episode, and then uh, next week, when you hear another episode, it'll be the same morning that we reco- recorded this one. And they're both going to be good, and I just want to say this. Maybe give you a reprieve to gather your thoughts. We can still shoot the breeze a little bit at the beginning of this podcast. But thank you to those who are listening, have continued to listen, gotten some new listeners. And uh, one of my friends, John Feldhouse from California, left a review and a rating. Thank you so much. Literally, I look on a weekly basis in faith that there's going to be new ones. And many times I realize that my faith hasn't produced anything, <laughs> but thank you for those who do it. It really is recognized and it really is helpful. We yeah. devote yep. time to this, man, almost two years to over two years. Yeah, that's crazy. That's really cool. So we're really excited to be able to do this. And I just wanted to see, thank you. And if you haven't done it, it's my birthday. It's around my birthday. So that'd be the best present you could give me is a review a subscription. That's very, is yeah. it subscription? I, I yeah, don't know. Follow. Maybe follow? a follow. You know, get on those just where they download. Right. I don't even care if you listen to all of them. All right. <laughs> the uh, thing about that is if you listen to the last episode, we're talking about, Pastor Mark was talking about going from survival to success to significance. St- wait, and, security? Well, yeah, no, there's stability, stability and, and security, security is and, in there as well. Yeah. But you know, uh, we're not saying, hey, like and review just because it makes us feel good, although it does. It, so what it does benefit. is it puts it out in front of more people so that the podcast can be significant in other people's lives. Yeah. So it helps with the algorithm. We yes. would like more people to hear it because we believe that the guests that we have on and the messages that we are talking about have the power to transform lives, not because we're special, but because what we're talking about is special and it's powerful. It's the I, word of God. I just feel led to honor another one of our listeners. Right. Thank you to Josh Varland for being yes. so good on Messenger, letting us know his thoughts on certain podcasts. You're welcome to do that. That's awesome. Many of you know us. Many of you go to New Creation Church. You see us, some of you, three times on Sunday and throughout the week. Come by and let us know what you're liking, what you'd like to see. Not that we're going to be led by it all, but it's it's encouraging, and we endeavor to encourage you. You got anything Man, else to say? I know. I'm good. Right, I, my, I'm gonna, I think my voice is warmed up. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> you're more of your Jonathan I self. Only, I had only uttered one word before I came up here, and that was good morning to my wife. I, yeah, I had said a couple different things. Uh, 
but I had a little bit of raspiness. I kind of had to work out some of that phlegm, that morning phlegm. You ever deal with morning phlegm? This is vulnerable yeah. right now. Yeah, I deal with it a lot. Um, it's like all day phlegm sometimes. My wife says it's because I've been ingesting a lot of dairy protein. She says it's probably the dairy that's affecting Yeah, I drink a lot of dairy. All right. A lot of raw milk. Yeah. Woo. Different subject. For yeah, a different, different subject for a different day. What I want to talk to you today about are the seven lessons that I've learned from my time in ministry. I was a part of a young leader cohort where uh, there was a guest who talked about his time in ministry. And one of the homework assignments was to write down five to seven things that you've learned from your time in ministry. So it was a really cool process. I encourage you, no matter what you are doing as a career or in your life, take some time to look at what you've learned along the way. Why? Because first off, I guarantee you, you have learned something and it would be good for you to know what you've learned so that you can maximize it, grow it, share it with others. And I believe that what I've learned in ministry can pass on to anything. I believe that uh, our life is ministry. Pastor Mark has shared this. Addison Bevere has shared this, that we got to blur the lines that we have artificially made between secular and sacred. So if you're like, oh, John, you've learned this in ministry. I, I can't use this as a, a preschool teacher or a water sanitation operator or a sheep shearer. Oh, sheep shearer. That's hard Yeah, to say. You can apply these. So let's just jump in. Uh, the first one being, and it may seem kind of hard to apply when I mention it, but I guarantee you we can find a connection is you need to find the echo before you find your voice. Mm. And what I mean by this, I actually learned this from you secondhand. Nice. Uh, I remember this, this helped me a lot. Maybe this is a lesson that everyone can pick up. You're going to not start at the top of the pack. You're going to start somewhere lower. You're going to be serving somebody else's vision, which is what this is all about. Finding the echo before you find the voice. But I served in youth ministry under your leadership and you were under Pastor Mark. And he would be like, hey, what are you teaching on on uh, youth? And you'd be like, well, I'm teaching on this and this. And he said, who are you listening to? And you had these different ministries you listen to. And he said, you know, it'd be good for you to find an echo from what I'm sharing at New Creation Church. I'm your pastor. And I remember you would tell me these things and I'd be like, Ooh, that sounded kind of rough, that conversation. <laughs> and I would take mental notes, probably should have taken physical notes, but I'd take mental notes and go, I'm going to learn from that. So I don't necessarily someday have to have that same conversation <laughs> with Pastor Mark. But more than that, I believe it was something that God revealed to me that my leader was there for a specific reason. And if God is leading and directing my life, especially in ministry, God sets the members in the body as it pleases him. Yeah. So he had an idea for putting Pastor Mark under, oh, I'm not under me. Did not want to say that. <laughs> me under Pastor Mark for my development. Yeah. And it's not necessarily always going to seem like the perfect fit on purpose because what you're strong in, you already know what that person's strong in is probably what you're weak in mm -hmm. and it needs to be developed. So if we're always trying to find the people who jive with all of our strengths, we're going to be really underdeveloped in certain areas. And when we find our ec the echo, meaning his voice is going out and then our voice sounds similar, almost, you know, not exactly the same because an echo has a little different vote, 
sound to it, but has the same heart behind it. We're picking up what is someone else's. And there's a promise in Luke 16, uh, verse 12, 12, it says, and if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Wow. Yeah. um, So let me just say this before I pass it off to you. Yeah. Your ability to walk in your own voice is how you steward the voice of someone else that's entrusted to you. That's good. That could potentially be a wisdom of the day towards the end. Um, I think you could apply that as a sheep shearer. Absolutely. You find somebody who... Who trains you in shearing yeah, them sheep? Yeah, don't just shear them your own way. You're going to hurt that sheep. Ooh. Uh-oh. Oh. I think we we're onto something. There you go. Just kidding. Well, well, when we talk about echoing, a lot of times we're talking about like the physical sound. And some people can mistake that for just like sounding like them. But really... A lot of great people in the Bible really learned from their predecessor. Um, so like with Pastor Mark, I'm not just trying to sound like him when I'm teaching a message. I'm listening and I'm looking, observing the way he deals with people, the way he deals with conflict, the way he just conducts himself pretty much in every area. You're taking notes on that, not to be exactly like him, but it's a very good pattern and I would almost say foundation on which you can build from. Um, and then eventually, you know, God will help you develop a more unique voice. But without that foundation, without a reference, it's really hard to gain any traction in that area. Yeah. So I really appreciate you sharing that with me because it became one of the really core things that I've learned in ministry. And you've, you've had influence in the things I've learned in my time in ministry. And I just want to share this based off learning from someone else. It's a quote I heard from John Maxwell and it says, wise people learn from their mistakes. Wiser people learn from other, other people's mistakes. The wisest learn from other people's successes. There you go. There you go. Let's move to number two. The branches that reach out in service bear more fruit than the branches that reach up in recognition. So Mm. my dad loves pruning trees. I enjoy pruning trees. Part of my job here at New Creation Church as a maintenance guy is pruning trees. We've talked about this. I quite enjoy it too. I just don't like cleaning them up. Yes, that's true. There's difference. We actually have some fruit trees on the property. This whole strip of Highway 6 and... Glenwood Springs, Chakra, Newcastle, Colorado <laughs> has quite a few apple trees. Yep. Uh, so I actually looked into pruning apple trees and if you want them to be fruit bearing, there's a different way to prune them than just pruning them to look good, which I think mm. could preach right there, but that's wow. not my point. What I realized in learning how to prune apple trees to fruit bear is the degree of the angle, uh, acute and obtuse. I there think acute is more narrow, right? Man, don't talk to it's me about that. It's been a while that. since high school, huh? Same here. But the more narrow or vertical the angle is of a branch, it's weaker for fruit bearing. So if you could think branches that are going upward, the reason being is the weight causes the branch to actually break. Actually break. If it's more horizontally inclined, it can bear more fruit. And it stood out to me because so often when we're trying in ourselves to get recognition. I think this goes really well with the last podcast, uh, survival to significance. Even when you're at a spot of success, it's a spot sometimes of vertical recognition. But if we're looking to be significant, that's an outward reach. It's we over me and opportunities in life 
growth in life is often going to come from an other person centered heart. So just to remember, if I really want to be fruitful in my life or significant, it's the branches that reach out, not up that bear the most fruit. Not a I mean, I was going to say that I'll preach. You're doing it right now. I think now. I just preached yeah, it. Yeah, I think you preached it. All right, let's move on to number three. The number third, number third, number three is the joy <laughs> of the Lord is in our heart. We all should notify our face. Yeah. And I kind of live by this one. I, I want to be a joyful person. And I really think it's important. And this is not a Christian minister. But Pastor Mark did mention him last time as one of those leadership gurus. Mm-hmm. Zig Ziglar said, your attitude determines your altitude. That was written on a poster in my fourth grade uh, class. Really? Yeah. It. I think it's true. With a little kitten climbing a mountain. I think it's so true. And I think it really influences how we come across other people. Some people have a face that just says, stay away. I don't want to talk to you. And it's not the truth. They tell me. Right. I have a hard time believing them. I'd be when really they say hard. When they say, oh, I'm happy. I look at them and go, you're not happy. And you're not convincing yeah. me. I if try to your heart the said, best. come and talk to me, but your face said, stay away. That'd be a really hard thing to deal with in life. Yeah. I have a friend. He's going to remain unmentioned, but I would kept, keep saying to him like, Hey, smile, like smile, smile. And he's like, I'm happy. Don't tell me to smile. And he <laughs> says now in his life, he wishes he would have taken my advice more often. And I'm actually learning when I communicate in front of people to learn how to smile while you talk. That's another level. Some people have a hard time smiling. Another step of maturity is learning to smile when you talk, but the way you come across, mm. the way you minister to people, the openness of their heart towards you changes when you smile yeah. more frequently. I'm, and I'm talking, that's not the equivalent fullness of joy, but it's a good place to start. It's an outward expression of an inward conviction. Oh, almost like baptism. <laughs> you want to know what your facial baptism is? Yeah, it's your smile. smile. Well, I can't remember the exact number, but I do know that the majority of your communication is nonverbal. I want to say it's as high as like 60%, maybe I more. I don't know the number, but it's a good portion. It is a good portion. I know it is the majority of how you come across and convey things to people. It's, it's very nonverbal. Um, so you know, they've done studies on this before. You can, you can say something very positive with a frown on your face, with your arms crossed, right? With your shoulders turned away from that person. It completely conveys a different message. So it's very important to let your nonverbal and your verbal be in alignment. Yes. And Steve Reed, our former youth pastor, I remember when he was talking to us on the youth team, during worship, because he's a worship leader too, he said, if I lead at an eight, people will be at a six. If I lead at a 10, they can be at an eight. They so will lead at a 12. <laughs> if you want them to get to the highest levels, you have to lead them to the highest levels. I can attest to that as a worship leader myself. Okay. It has been validated. Yeah. At least in, Confirmed. in here, here at this congregation. And I think it's true. But honestly, <laughs> if you're trying to lead somebody in a direction and you're not even demonstrating the direction you're going in, right? why would they follow? And it also reminds me of what you shared about, I believe in Unmasked or the one that we compared COVID yeah. and how to share things spiritually, Pastor Mark's right. heart and yeah, message. Unmasked. You echoed it. Well done. Thank you. But some things have to be hot enough feverish yep. enough to yep. be able to be translated Translate. to someone else. Yeah. Yep. And 
personally, we haven't even gotten to for ourselves. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So if you want a strength, just determine to be joyful in the morning. And it's gotten me through a lot of days. Freely you've received, freely you should give. You shouldn't lower that level of whatever you've gotten by a frown on your face. God's given you great things. Communicate them in joy. Amen. I got it. I got a, um, my aunt gave me some revelation on that scripture once before, just a, a new way to look at it. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And she kind of read it in a different light, said like, what brings the Lord joy gives me strength. So she's like, what brings him joy? She's like, well, to do his will. So if I'm doing his will, it brings him joy. And that joy translates to strength in my life. It's another reason to be in obedience and make sure that you're in the will of the Lord. Because that's bringing him joy, and that joy is providing strength for you. Different way to look at that verse. Yeah. Go ahead, though. I agree. Number four, God always uses what you have in who you are with. It's so natural to look at what we don't have, and that only limits us. But whenever I've gotten real, like, what's the next step? God points to who's around me and what I have in my hands. And I think... Jesus, when he walked on the earth, he worked through his disciples and what he told the disciples to do. He said, what do you have? What do you have? Well, we have some loaves and fishes. Okay. Well, we can use that. And Paul even said in second Corinthians eight, 12, what you give is according to what you have. have. So it's important to have a conscious mindset of what I have in my hands. God even told Moses, What's in your hand? What's in your hand? The staff in your hand. That's something we heard from Pastor Mark as well. Uh, So when we see what we don't have, we're completely limited. But when we see who's around us, it's expansive. The, The cap, the limit goes off. So again, if you're having a hard time getting in joy, maybe look at number four and realize God always uses what you have and start being thankful and grateful for what you have and mine out the gold in the things that you have. Because... God loves things that start small and grow larger. Pastor Mark's said this before, encouraged us with this before, never despise the day of small beginnings. The most powerful thing in the world. He, God holds us even higher than his name is his word. And that's in seed form. It's something that starts small. The most powerful thing in the world starts small and grows. How much more the things in our life don't despise what you have. What's in your hand? God always uses what you have and who you are with. All right, number five. <clears throat> we have three more. Familiar Familiarity binds you to the greatness around you. Uh, I was just thinking from the story of Jesus that Jesus was in his hometown. He shared in his church, his synagogue. People liked it at first, and then they realized, hey, who is this guy? Isn't this Joseph's son, you know, a kid from down the street? So if familiarity kept Jesus from operating in the miraculous, it can keep you and I from receiving what God put in our leaders. Mm. I mean, we have to daily remind, I, I can't use you in this, but I have to daily remind myself, like, snap out of it, snap out of it. In staff meeting, just sitting there like, oh man, all right, what's going on? When Pastor Mark gets up and prays in the morning, like, Oh man, yeah. uh, continuously. Yeah. Don't go there. Don't go there. It's not just another day. It's not just another opportunity. It's not just another moment. And how do you get snapped out of these moments? Normally when other people that are external to the day to day come into a situation, go, that was amazing. And they say it to you. And then you're like, 
wow, I, I didn't think it was that amazing. And I go, why did I not think it was amazing? It's only because the familiarity I have built in my own heart. So how do you combat and reconcile the thought of like, we, we need to be close and intimate with God yet. Exactly what's on your hoodie. Hey, good. (laughs) My hoodie says fear of God. And I was actually going to say that, but you can talk about it if you want. No, go for it. Uh, I was just going to say like the more familiar you are with something, the more unremarkable it becomes, not because that thing is changing but your familiarity with it is. And so that's why I would recommend a book from John Bevere called The Awe of God. Um, He even has one about the fear of the Lord. It's an older book too, Uh, but they go hand in hand. Developing and maintaining a proper fear and which would mean reverence and awe and respect um, keeps you in that place where the things that are remarkable stay remarkable no matter how familiar you are with them. And I am working on that too, but I think that, and we'll just we'll just talk about Pastor Mark for a second. Uh, he, you know, I've known him my entire life, but I still have this—I'll say fear. I'm not like not necessarily scared, but he has a way of balancing relationships where he still can be pastor in your life and also be your friend. But he balances it almost perfectly. I know no one's perfect, but I've known him my entire life. I still have such an awe and a respect for him and the gift that's in him. Um, and I can't really attribute a ton of that to me. I think it's how he handles our relationship. But for all of you other people out there, you may not have a leader that 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 is that amazing. You're going to have to learn how to stay in, well, I'll just say with, with God, you know, the fear of the Lord, you're going to have to stay in that place of awe and that place of wonder. Um, but if you have a leader over you, I can't give you the exact answer but you're going to have to learn how to be close to them, but still respect them. I don't know what the exact answer to that is. I'm just talking right now, dude. That's what this podcast is for. But Mark 6, 4, and I fully agree. Pastor Mark does balance it well. Mark 6, 4 is where Jesus says, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. So what that tells me is that familiarity hits closest to home. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say this beyond just your leader. If you're married, your spouse, talk about someone that you can grow familiar with very quick. You fell in love with that person. You chose to devote your life to that person. What happens when you get stale and it's no longer fun and this person isn't engaging, you've grown familiar with them. Mm. You wouldn't have done that at the beginning. What used to be exciting has now become normal. And that's just because you've lost the appreciation for them. Mm. And the person over you to grow you spiritually, your pastor, your leader, the person that you've committed your life to, the two maybe most important natural positions anyone could hold in your life, the influence of those can be completely destroyed by familiarity. So we got to guard against it. Paul says... Go ahead. To not know anyone according to the flesh. This is probably what helps me the most in guarding against familiarity is whenever I see Bev, the bookkeeper across the table, whenever I see you there, I am most healthy and most excellent in my relationships. When I don't look at them, I look at God in them and what God's doing through them. Then I'm not going to go, oh man, do you know, Bev, 
missed my deadline and getting my petty cash last week. I'm not going to listen to her. <laughs> no, that's knowing her according to the flesh. When I go, God could do anything through Bev right now. I'm on the edge of my seat and I'm looking to hear only what God is going to say to me from Bev in that moment. That helps me in that process. That's good. I'm going to redeem myself for the last portion of me talking because it didn't make a whole lot of sense. No, it didn't make sense. Here's the thing. With your spouse, <clears throat> the reason why there is a lot of spark and infatuation at the beginning is because of a, a phrase we like to call the thrill of the chase, or the thrill of the hunt. It's searching for the unknown. You don't necessarily know everything about that person, and there's an excitement to that. So you're chasing the unknown. Once those things become known, you have two options to either become familiar or to flip and start appreciating what is known. And that's what keeps the spark alive. So you'll, you'll get to a point where you hopefully you find out everything about your spouse. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, you got to make that decision. Am I going to keep trying to search or am I going to start searching somewhere else? Cause that spark is gone or I'm going to flip it and now really start to appreciate what I do know. Yeah. Uh, number six, favor finds you in the field. In the field? In the field. Okay. So Elisha, 1 Kings 19, he was out plowing the field. Elijah came up to him, threw his mantle on him. Adam, Genesis 2, he's naming the fields and naming animals in the field. God gives him his spouse. I'm thinking of David, 1 Samuel 16, tending his father's sheep out in the field. God answered their calling while they were working in the field. Peter... Andrew, James, John, they weren't in the field, but they were out in the water yeah, fishing. fishing. So it's so important to put your hand to something. I don't know if what you're putting your hand to is the fullness of what God's called you to. It's probably not. But the classic saying that it's easier to move or steer a moving vehicle than it is a parked one is true. Like yeah. when, when you have action to your life, it's so much easier for opportunities to find you in that action. Mm-hmm. And whatever God's calling you to step into, the effort, the diligence in this moment will aid you in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've noticed that the opportunities that I've gotten, it hasn't been because I've been sitting on a bing bag eating Cheetos. It, it hasn't come from that. It's come from me putting my hand to something, someone recognizing it. And then me getting an opportunity I didn't deserve. It seems like this is almost like a works mindset. Like, yeah. well, if you work, then you find favor. But I still, even though I exerted myself in certain areas, I can't say the opportunities I've gotten yeah. are because of that. It's just like giving God something to work with, if that yeah, makes sense. It's it like sense. that weird statement Paul made where he said, uh, I am what I am by the grace of God. I work harder than anyone else, but not me, the grace of God in me. That's what this is like. Favor finds you in the field. I don't know if you can agree or disagree. I'm agreeing with that. I got a story to go along with that. It's a short story. I know this is your episode. Um, It's actually somebody somebody that I know personally has been wanting a new job. And the field of work that they want to be in is the field of work that they volunteer in here at this church. And so as they were putting their hand to something, volunteering in the moment, somebody came up to them and said, hey, I'm here looking for this specific job. And I saw you and I want to offer you a job and it pays more than what you got right now. And so um, this person had an interview. I need to follow up with them. But as they were putting their hand in that specific field, somebody came and noticed that. It was just really awesome. And one of the 
amazing statements that God spoke to me that really stood out is patience isn't waiting, it's developing. And that's what we're talking about. People go, I'm just being patient. I'm just being patient. Well, then what is being developed in you? What are you developing? What is God partnering with you on your way to where you're going in your patience to get you where you're going? And something that stood out to me is that I don't think this is completely out of context. And if it is, don't correct me. We'll talk about it later. Okay. (laughs) To some degree, you don't even have to be going in the right direction. I think of Saul. He was actually working. He was on his way to Damascus to kill Christians. He was a moving vehicle and God stopped him and turned him in a completely different direction. And you go, well, that's terrible, John. Paul actually said he did it out of ignorance. He thought he was honoring God and doing the right thing. If your heart is right and you're moving, even if you're doing something completely opposite of what God wants you to do, if your heart's right, God will get to you and move you and you'll find favor. I agree with that. (laughs) Thank you. Let's look at the last one. (laughs) Unless you have something else to say. No. When you need to be embraced by Jesus, that embrace is going to come from his body. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, man, this might go hand in hand with familiarity, but it's so easy. You can get jaded. You can get hurt. You can get bitter. Uh, and to have an appreciation for the body of Christ is so important because it is a personal relationship with Christ. We often, we're big on that. Uh, come on. It's a personal relationship with Christ. But when you make that personal relationship, it puts you in a family. It puts you in a body. And most of us made that decision, have grown in our walk, rededicated our lives, gotten filled with the Holy Spirit in the context of church some way. And we've had amazing moments. We've had prophetic words. We've had so many blessings. There's going to come a time where you're hurt and you're going to want to put a cold shoulder to Christ's body. But the same people that blessed you and extended a hand and helped give you spiritual deposits are the ones that are, you're going to have to turn back to, to get help and healing. And that's a challenge, but it's completely worth it. So I remember, and I, again, something that you shared, uh, don't cut something that can be untied. Yeah. So often we're, I'm done with that. And you cut off the life flow of Christ to you from his body because you've been hurt and jaded. And that's a big one in our generation church hurt. We say things like that. I don't know if there's anything, anything worth cutting off relationship with the body of Christ because God's going to deposit some things to you and in you only through his body. That's true. Don't burn a bridge that you might have to cross again someday. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, that's a good one. And I think I've shared this before, but you shared that with me a long time ago. And then when my when my father passed, you know, you're looking for comfort, you're looking for love, and it came from the body. So I think you said it this way, an embrace from Jesus comes from his hands and and that's his body. Or you said it something like that. An embrace from Jesus is gonna come from his body. So people are looking for the comfort and the Holy Spirit brings comfort, no doubt. Uh, but how but often does the Holy Spirit use people to bring that comfort? Most of the time, I would say. Um, yeah. So that really helped me in that moment. Is Sometimes somebody, they're going to come and comfort you, and, and they may not do it in the way that you want. And they may not say exactly the right thing. 
and what God is, because God's working through people who are flawed. So that person may not be able to bring the exact perfect right amount of comfort for you in that moment, but they're obeying God. And so it's hard. It's, I'm not saying like you as a grieving person need to like be mature enough to figure that out. But after the fact, there were some people I was like, meh, and other people that I... I felt more embraced and comforted by. And afterwards, after that whole process took place, God kind of corrected me and said, like, no matter who it comes from, if they're being obedient, like Mm. I can work through them. I mean, so that, that was a big deal for me. So I'm glad that you put that on the list. And when it comes to flawed people, it reminds me of something. I believe I said in our episode spoonful of sugar, But I said, don't reject the gift because the packaging isn't right. So often the core truth or the heart of what someone says is golden, but it's wrapped in newspaper and the tape. It's put in a Walmart bag. Falling over. Yeah. It's a plastic bag. Does you, they wrote your name in Sharpie on a Walmart bag and they literally wrapped it in a shirt. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because it's what's inside the package that matters. And again, if we don't know people according to the flesh, if we just see them spirit to spirit and what God, you look to God, you're going you're gonna to move right past that yep. packaging, get to the heart of it, be embraced by Jesus, and that's coming through his body the majority of the time. Let me go over these seven real quick, and then we can do wisdom of the day. Uh, find the echo before you find your voice. Two... The branches that reach out in service bear more fruit than the branches that reach up in recognition. Number three, the joy of the Lord is in our heart and we all should notify our face. Number four, God always uses what you have and who you are with. Five, familiarity blinds you to the greatness around you. Six, favor finds you in the field. And number seven, when you need to be embraced by Jesus, that embrace is going to come from his body. Wisdom of the day, man. Hmm. Uh, probably, I mean, I'm going to just restate something that I had, that I had said, but it came off of something that you had said. So that's awesome. Just about familiarity and relationships. So, um, excitement in relationships starts with chasing the unknown, but you get to a point where you have to, you, you have to start appreciating what is known to stay in that place of excitement and contentment in your relationship. Ditto. My wisdom of the day was on familiarity as well and determine to pull on the gift of God in everyone. God's gifts are irrevocable <laughs> and we can look yeah. to everyone. And when we look to them, look to God in them and you're not going to be bothered. You're not going to be offended by their flesh because you're not even looking at their flesh. It's going to make you a better person. It's going to draw greater things out of people and your days are going to be more fulfilled and life is going to be blessed. And I believe that it, it reminds me of something I learned at a GLS global leadership summit. Uh, be your higher self, hired self. And it was about not like spiritually higher, but who hired you. And when you were hired, how did you act? Right. You were at You're the top good. of your game. Yeah. Uh, after 10 years working somewhere, You let your hair down and you stop acting like your higher self. Hmm. So you got hired. That's a similar kind of response to living each day, looking at what God's doing in somebody and what God's trying to communicate to you through somebody. And uh, that's my wisdom of the day. You want to pray us out?
Yeah, awesome. Father God, thank you for this time that we've got to talk about your word. Father, those who listened, help. Um, we're praying that these points, Father God, would minister to them, help them, uh, help them apply it in their lives. Father God, well, I had the mic really far away. Sorry. Um, so we just thank you, Lord, um, for your word that we can apply it in our lives um, and watch it produce change. Father God, help us be significant, influ influential in the lives of others. Help us not ever get to a place where we're too familiar with you, Lord Jesus, that we'd always stay in a place of awe, reverence, and respect so that you can work in our lives so we can bring about change, we can sow, we can grow, and help others do the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's all. We'll be back next time on the Sewing and Growing Podcast with J&J. &J.